don't you open your Bibles uh, to the book of Psalms. Open to the Psalms. We're going to just take one week off from Ephesians, but we're going to be in Psalm 78 this morning. And why don't we stand for the reading of God's Word. Psalm 78, 1 through 8. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known, that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and religious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. This is the word of the Lord. You can sit down. Thank you, Owen. So grateful the last few weeks that we've had uh, teens from our youth group uh, read in the scripture. I'm so grateful that in our church, the teens uh, and all the kids are involved in ministry here. Well, uh, back in 2008, the U.S. Uh, men's relay team uh, was competing in the preliminary rounds of the Olympics. And as they were competing, uh, the first two legs of the relay race were going really well. Uh, things were going really well, and then it came to the transfer of the baton in uh, from the third leg to the fourth leg of the race. So uh, we had Darvis Patton, who was carrying the baton, getting ready to come to the section of the track where they hand off the baton to world-renowned sprinter Tyson Gay. So it, it kind of the story unfolds as they're approaching that place. They're, they're running. We've got Darvis Patton. He's ready to hand off this baton. Tyson Gay's got his hand back like this, getting ready to receive the baton. And it, it's kind of like tense right there. There's still enough time to hand off the baton. And Darvis Patton, he lunges to put it into Tyson Gay's hand. And the crowd gasps as the baton hits the wet. So in their situation, the race didn't continue because the baton didn't get passed. In our situation, we have something far more significant than a silver-coated baton. We have the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that we are called to pass on to the next generation. As we see from this passage, we are called to pass on the gospel. We all are called to pass on God's message. So look at your Bible. Because I know oftentimes we can feel like, well, yeah, that's what parents do, right? That's what parents of littles do. You know, they're still in elementary school or high school and you know, that's what we do in Harvest Kids. That's the ones that pass on the gospel. But look at your Bibles. Look at verse 1 and, and following. It says, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. So God's getting his people's attention. He's not saying, hey, listen up, parents of young ones. He's talking to all of his people. 
I'm going to open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard, talking to everybody, things that we have heard and known and that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might. So we, there's this collective sense that the, all of the people are responsible to pass on this message. Psalm 145.4 says this, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. So we see this in more than one place in Scripture. Like the expectation is that we're going to pass on the message. The whole generation has to feel the responsibility of it. Certainly we have a message that we've been given. And a call to pass it on. Jesus said in the Great Commission, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you to the end of the age. We all know the gospel. We've all heard about the Great Commission. We want to respond to that. Certainly, we as a church value the Great Commission. We want to make disciples that are committed to Christ, that are committed to Christ's church, that are committed to Christ's mission. But this message that we've been given is meant for us to not only certainly reach the lost in our age, older than us, younger than us, but we want to pass on this message to the next generation. And God calls all of us to do that. We should all feel that call. This isn't just a call for parents. We can kind of leave it to the parents. If you are a single, if you're single and you're 12 or 25, or 45, or 65, you're included in this passing on of the message. Certainly parents are included in passing on the message. This call doesn't stop when we reach this stage as a parent called, you know, empty nester. Like, it, there's, no, there's no retirement in Scripture when it comes to passing on the message of the gospel. There's no empty nester season where like, yeah, I've paid my dues, I've done it, I'm done. No, it says we. It says, oh my people, we, we should all feel this call to pass on God's message. And this message that we've been given is greater than we are. It's a significant message. It's been passed on from generations past. Now when you think about running a race, the, the baton, you know, a relay race is important. The baton is significantly important. So much so that Nigel Heatherton, not a familiar name to you, but to those who, who run hurdles and sprints in Scotland, it is, because he was the Scottish National Sprints and Hurdles coach once, and he described 10 principles of a baton relay. And the number one principle, he said, was this. The race is about the baton and not the, rubber, the runners. The race is about the baton. It doesn't matter how fast the runners you have on the team are. It doesn't matter how skilled they are. It doesn't matter how many medals that they've won. If they don't get this across the finish line, they lose. The baton is the most important thing in the race. And this message that we've been given is greater than we are. This message 
of the glorious deeds that he has done started way back in the beginning of Genesis. After the fall, Adam and Eve, when they sinned, there was a promise that was given that one would come to crush the head of the serpent. And that was pointing to Jesus. And then throughout the history of the people of Israel, we see that God delivers his people again and again, starting with the big deliverance that we all kind of are aware of, like the parting of the Red Sea, right? They were being chased by the Egyptians. They come to the Red Sea. God parts the Red Sea, makes the the ground dry to walk on. They cross over. Then God closes the waters over the Egyptian soldiers, and they're delivered. Only in a short time later, the people start grumbling and complaining and forgetting about what God had just done. They had just crossed over the sea because God parted the waters, and they were already starting to grumble and complain. But God still provided for them, bringing manna and quail. And then the people of God uh, we got to go into the promised land after 40 years, and Joshua led them in, and they conquered the land, and there were great things that God did as God... God brought them into the land that he promised. And then the story of Israel's history, unfortunately, is kind of this cycle up and down, up and down. They follow God, they don't follow God. They follow God, they don't follow God. But God stays faithful to the whole thing. Even when they are exiled for 70 years, God did not forget his people. He did not forget his promises. And he brought them back into their land. They were able to rebuild the temple. Sadly, God's people still, after a number of years, made it more about the rules than about the relationship. And then the greatest deed that God has done, he sent his son in the likeness of men to be a servant, to live a perfect life, and to die a death on the cross so that we could have a relationship with him. That's just a brief summary of the glorious deeds that he has done. This message has been around. The proclamation of that Jesus was coming has been around for thousands of years. And now Jesus coming on the scene and delivering all who would trust in him from their sins. You can be saved from the wrath of God. You can have a relationship with him by trusting in Jesus, surrendering your life to him. This great deliverance has happened. This message has been around since before we were here. And I want to be clear. Like, the furtherance of this message to future generations ultimately is not dependent on us. Let's be clear. Jesus is the one who's building his church. Jesus is the one who's building his church. Not me, not you, not our effective Sunday meetings or our, our small group. It's Jesus that's driving, okay? But he has called us and given us this message of the gospel that's greater than we are. And we should feel that. We should feel this message is, is far more significant than we are. Bob Coughlin said this. He said, if you run without the baton, no matter how fast you're running, your race is in vain. The baton is the gospel. The gospel, Jesus' substitutionary death for sinners that reconciled us to God must always inform everything we pass on. It is the gospel that transforms our dead works into acceptable offerings and draws our attention to the glory of the Lamb who was slain. Listen, we could take this 
just set it on the shelf. And oftentimes, we do that as Christians. God saved us. We maybe had a powerful experience. He's delivered us from our sin. We encountered him. And, and then we set it on the shelf for various reasons. Maybe if someone asks us about it, we tell them about what he has done. But we need, we need to realize, like, if, if it stays there, it, it doesn't go across the finish line. No, no, no relay race team, like, practices hard and then goes out to compete and leaves it on the table or puts it on the shelf. No, it's meant to be passed on. It's meant to be passed on. Now, again, we, we aren't passing on a, a metal baton. We, we are passing on the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's so much bigger than we are. Do you feel the magnitude of it? Do you feel the magnitude of this message? This message has been passed down. You've read stories of missionaries who've given their lives to see the message passed down. We read things like William Tyndale who gave his very life so that the scriptures could be translated into the language of the people so that they could read his word because he knew this message needed to be passed on. This message is bigger than we are. But yet we've been given the privilege to pass it on. So God's people pass on God's message from generation to generation. God's people pass on God's message from generation to generation. Do you believe that? Do you feel the call of it? Look here at your Bibles again, verses 4 and 5. It says, We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. He has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which He commanded our fathers to teach to their children. This is a command. It's not optional. Like this is a command that's written. We, we briefly covered it last week when we were in Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm just going to flip there real quick. You can flip there if you want to. The passage starts in Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. But before I go on to the, to the command, look, it starts with our worship of, of the Lord. It starts with our relationship with the Lord. Too much as a parent, I have failed made my parenting about changing behavior rather than starting with my own worship of the king and letting the aroma of Christ uh, be over my parenting. Now, certainly there's practical things. We'll talk about that in the parenting seminar on Saturday. But this is the command. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Not optional. Look, we know from the Great Commission, sharing the message isn't optional. We're to teach them to obey all that Jesus has commanded us. So all believers, we're called to have spiritual children. Think about Paul and Timothy. Timothy wasn't Paul's son. 
and pass down the gospel to Timothy so that he could pastor a church and care for a church. It's not just for pastors and parents. It's for all the people. Because a clear sign of Christ-likeness is a love for children. That's a clear sign of Christ-likeness. Why would I say that? Because Jesus said these words in Mark 10. He said, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. I mean, we can read that and be like, oh yeah, Jesus had a little, you know, a little spot in his heart for kids. Oh, that's just really nice. He says, to such as these belongs the kingdom of God. Like, we're going to hand this message that's greater than us down to them. They're important. And the original hearers of that statement would not have just had a warm thing in their heart. You have to understand, in the context of when Jesus said that, children, when they weren't wanted, had the value of trash that you would throw on the trash heap. Children could have been sold into slavery or into prostitution. The things that were allowed and acceptable in that culture are unmentionable. They're wretched. So when Jesus says, let the children come to me, he is blowing the minds of everyone present. He, he rescued the children. He gave value to the children that didn't exist in the culture he wanted the disciples to see and those around to see that they are image bearers and that they, they need to hear the gospel. So we're called to invest in the next generation. We're called to invest in the next generation. That's why we do Harvest Kids. We come alongside parents to invest in the next generation. That's available to serve in that ministry to everyone in our church, not just to parents or those who maybe have a heart for kids. We should feel the weight of the need to pass this on. Or the youth ministry. That's an opportunity to serve, to pass this message on. Or to young adults in our church, meaning like the college age and 20-somethings. We should have a heart to pass this message on. And it's a big deal. Like, look back at your Bible. Look at how you know, first, this, this message isn't optional, but, but passing on the message, we, we need to pass it on with generations in view. So look back at your Bibles. So in, in verse 5, it says, He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children. So I'm just going to write up here on, on the board. He commanded the fathers. So he commanded the fathers to teach to their children. Now, when you think about the children, or when you think about the fathers, rather, like they're, co they're commanded to teach to their children, but the fathers in view here is plural. It's referring not just to the fathers in this generation, like I am a father in this generation commanded to teach to my children, but it's referring to the fathers that, existed in the past, like all the fathers. He commanded to the fathers, plural, in every generation this is the call. So this is fathers going backwards, going forward, so who knows how many generations it is has in view here. But 
okay, back to the text, he commanded the fathers to teach to their children. Look back at your Bibles. That the next generation, the next generation might know him. So, so that we have, we have the next generation. The next generation. That they might know him. The children yet unborn. So this generation, their children that are yet to be born. Hey, this message is so big. It's such a big deal. I want you to tell it to your kids so that they can tell it to their kids. The generation that's not yet been born. But keep, keep your eyes on the text. And it says, to the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. So, so these children will then tell it to, to their children. Think about the generations, and we share this. We, we need to have generations in view. It's not just about our kids. It's about the ones that we may not see for years to come or may never see. And it's even about the ones that we likely won't ever see. That's how far this has to go. And let us not think that our generation isn't, isn't the important link to keep it going. Don Carson said, we want to read it to get it right. He said, we must be intentional and vigilant in transferring the gospel because we are no more than one generation away from losing the gospel. Does it, do you feel the weight of that? statement? Do you feel the weight of that statement? Let's, let's not think our generation couldn't be the one to drop the ball, to drop the baton. When you think about Europe, if you've ever gone there or read there, there are church buildings that are empty. They're just historic landmarks or empty relics. Why are they empty? there were generations that failed to pass on the message of the gospel. And so rather than having, having children in view from ages down, they thought about their own view. I mean, I think it was King Hezekiah who, who a prophecy was made about the, the trouble that was coming to the next generation. He was like, ah, you know, as long as there's peace in my day, it's, it's fine. He was comfortable putting it on the shelf. He was comfortable benefiting from God's wonderful works, and he was okay with the next generation going to hell in a handbasket. We must not be okay with that. We must see, see how the gospel is to influence, influence future generations. So what are, what are we to pass on? We're to pass on the hope of the gospel. Look back at your Bibles. So we tell to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. The greatest hope we have is in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So as we talk to our children, whether they're our biological children or adopted children or spiritual children, we were called to, to pass on the gospel so that they would have hope. Because there isn't hope apart from Christ. Even in the midst of our parenting, we want to cast that vision that there's hope. Like, we need to just own it, parents. Like, we, we fail. And when your kids fail, we, we just identify with them. Hey, I know it's a struggle. I know it's, I know it's hard. It is hard to, to obey in your strength. But I want to tell you a message. I want to tell you about what Jesus has done. And we share Christ with them. We share that our sins are forgiven. That we aren't judged, but rather we find forgiveness if we come to Jesus. So as even in our parenting, regularly we're pointing them to Christ. Because they need Jesus to obey, just like we need Jesus to obey. That's why the gospel is so important. So we pass on the message of the hope of the gospel. We call them to respond to Jesus. The greatest response isn't to respond to our voice. We teach them to respond to our voice so they will respond to God's voice because we're not always going to be here. Let's call them and show them the wonder of God. Let's remind him, remind them of his great works. That's what it says. If you look back at the passage, you see that they would set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. We're called to instruct our kids as we just read about. We want to Help them to not forget the works of God. What are ways we can do? We simply can read this Bible with our kids. Or you can gather a group of kids. There's an individual who's, who's spending some time with some of the young people in our church investing in them by reminding them of the works of God. They're opening the Bible together. That's what we can do. You can do a Bible study. You're like, you know, I'm older. I don't know if the young people, I don't have anything to say. You don't have to have anything to say. God's Word has plenty to say. You can open up the Bible with them. You can read the Bible with your children at home. God's done great works. There's so many testimonies in this room. We could spend the next week just hearing for hours the testimonies of God's great works in this room. As I see your faces, I love you so much. I love what God has done in your lives and how he's transformed you. There's so many testimonies here. And unfortunately, we often will leave them on the table when we gather together. Like, we need to share our stories with our, one another. We need to share our stories with our kids. Friends, share your story with your kids. Tell them where you were at when you were running from God and how God saved you. When, when you have another family over for dinner, I, I know the kids love to play with each other. So they're just like ready. They want to scarf their food and get to where the toys are. Right, I, I get that. I know I felt the same way. You know, when there's fun stuff to do, I want to get to do the fun stuff. But linger at the table. Ask, ask someone who's your guest to share their story of how they came to know Jesus. Let your kids hear the wonderful things that God has done. Ask, ask the gray-haired people. I know, I know I've been saying that a lot, but we need to benefit from God's faithfulness in generations past. We need to benefit from that before that generation goes to be with Jesus because pretty soon we're going to be that generation. We need to share the wonderful things that he has done. Now, I get it's hard. Dads, I want to speak to you briefly. I don't know about you, but I'm tired at the end of the day. When I get home, I'm like, I just want to, I want to sit and, and turn my brain off if that's possible. 
But when you come home, you're coming home to your first job. Okay? Your second job actually is the one that you go to every day that earns king. The first job is, is passing on the gospel to your kids, is, is caring for your kids, is shepherding their hearts. You need to think about this. Your job's going to be over like that. This is going to last forever. This message is going to bring people into the kingdom forever. And sometimes we as parents, as, as those who are passing on the gospel, we also need to warn them. We talk about the great things that he has done, but we need to warn them of the consequences of rejecting God. Look what it says here in the passage. So we keep his commandments in verse 7, and then verse 8, it says, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. As I share the, the story of redemptive history, there, there were those in the past who left this on the table. There were those who said, actually, I don't want it. I'm out of the race. I don't, I don't want this. We need to remind them of what happens when we reject the gospel, when we reject God's goodness and his mercy. Because that would be, that's a loving thing for us to share to our kids, share with our kids. Yeah, there, there are eternal consequences for rejecting God. So even our temporary consequences that are given, they're ultimately pointing to eternal consequences. That's why we, why we want to be loving and sharing that with them. And in the midst of sharing those hard things, we want to be examples. Because we don't want our kids to just think that this is just all a bunch of rules and that they can't, they can't measure up. You should let them know, yeah, you won't measure up apart from Christ. But the good news is He did measure up. Even when you're tired. Moms, I get you're tired. Like some days you're like, I just, I just want to live to the end of the day. I do. I just want to be breathing at the end of the day. My children don't die during the day in the midst of our home routine. That is a win. You might feel that way. You might feel like motherhood, I think, is just a season for me to survive. I just want to make it to the end. Moms, I want to encourage you, whether you're a single mom, spiritual mom, motherhood is about passing on this message. Yeah, you're going to teach your kids how to get dressed and brush their teeth and wash their bodies and do some of those practical things. But this message is most important. So if the laundry doesn't get done, or you got to zap fry your dinner, like this is the this is the thing that's most important for your kids, and sometimes we have to we have to share it. We have to share it. You're just like I'm trying to hand it. They they won't take it. So we have to continue to share it because we have to understand how significant this message is to pass on. And for those who are here, who maybe your kids are teens, maybe maybe your kids are adults, maybe your adult children have children. And you're like, um, this is my life. I, I dropped it. I dropped it, and uh, I, I hope this message is heard by the, 
by the younger parents says there's still hope for them, but there's no hope for me. I want you to do something. Actually, that coach, Coach Nigel, when he was referring to the, the batons, the most important thing, he actually spoke to this. He said that a baton drop does not automatically disqualify a team. You can drop the baton. You just got to pick it up in the spot where they pass the baton, and you can keep running. You can keep running. Now, the wonderful thing about the gospel message is we aren't trying to take the gospel and, and hit the tape before somebody else. We're just supposed to finish. We're supposed to run the race as hard as we can until we're done and faithfully pass on the gospel. So even if you find yourself in that place of discouragement, parents, maybe you're not discouraged now, but if someday you are, you have to remember this. The gospel is the power of God and salvation to those who believe. It's still more powerful than you and your ability to pass it on. Like, there's still hope. There's a story of a, an individual in our church who's made some mistakes in their, their younger years and uh, estranged from their children, has, has come to faith in Christ. It's a wonderful story. He's praying that God would reconcile with his kids. And recently he's had the opportunity and the open door for him to interact with his kids. Like the hope is never lost. The hope is never lost. Even if you're starting this, even if you have, uh, if you ever adopt children that are older, you're like, I didn't get to have them in those formative years. It doesn't matter. The gospel is, is powerful. We we come and we can, we can pass that on. So be encouraged that even if you drop it, it the goal is to run to the end. Because it's bigger than you. I mean, it's, bigger than, it's so much bigger than you. There's others who are running this race. We know other Christians in our community that maybe go to other local churches. They're carrying this baton too. So when we fellowship with them, we can cheer them on. Go, 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 endure. You can do this. When they're discouraged, we can be an encouragement to them. Because we're not racing against them. We're in the race with them. We're in the race together to encourage each other. You drop it, you pick it back up. And you trust God and He will work. Now, remember, someone, someone passed on the gospel to you. Right? You have a story. You have a story that someone passed on the gospel to you and I want to encourage us as a church to leave a gospel legacy when our names are forgotten. Leave a gospel legacy. I recently read a story uh, about a, a preacher. His name is Crawford Loritz, faithful gospel preacher. He's retired now, but he's still serving the Lord. He told a story of his family. His great-grandfather was a slave. And he tells a story about that grandfather who was sold out for Christ and he was not only freed from the physical bonds of slavery, he was freed from the power of sin by trusting in Jesus and he just loved Jesus and what is remembered about him was that he loved the gospel and he passed it on and then his grandfather got saved and carried that on and what was known about his grandfather, so Crawford didn't know his grandfather. All he, all he knew was the aunts and uncles and people that told him stories, and all they would tell him was about his character, about his love for Jesus. And then, and then his father came to know Christ. And now he, who has written books and had great influence for the gospel, he is this generation because 
great, great grandfather. He said, I, I want to live for something bigger than me. I want to pass on a message that's so much bigger than me. You are somewhere in this story. I've got my own story. I've got my own story. There was a man who had the last name of Loftus, who was a pastor, faithfully preached the word of God. And one day, he was in a car accident. Sadly, he died with one of his children. Had two other sons, one of, and bo both of those sons came to faith in Christ and, and they had their own struggles, but one of those sons became a missionary to Africa, took the gospel to Africa, and then felt called to come back to the States. He got married and he became an art teacher. And that art teacher came from their high school. And he had an amazing ability, he's still the greatest evangelist I know, to, to live in such a way that kids asked him questions so that he shared the gospel in the public school. Like freely, because kids would just regularly ask him questions. And once questions started happening, I have friends who I grew up with that came to saving faith in Christ because he was faithful to share the gospel. And he shared it with me. And even though I didn't respond in the three years that he was my art teacher in high school, I did when I went to college. And I went back and I said, you invested in me. You're a significant reason. And I had other people were doing that too. I had high school, I had uh, Sunday school teachers. My parents drug me to church. There were, there were lots of influences that the Lord used. But I realized that the gospel became wonderful to me in this generation because a man I never knew who we all would say, man, he was taken too early. I remember Ed, his son, showing me his Bible because he was faithful. I'm here to preach the gospel. I'm here to share it with my kids to make disciples. You have the same privilege. You are in the midst of that story. Regardless of how confident you feel, how equipped you feel, the message is greater than you. But you have been given the privilege to both treasure it and to pass it on. Because our goal isn't, isn't to win, it's simply to finish. Let's be faithful to run the race with endurance. Let's be faithful to share this good news with those we come in contact with and share with our children. What is God calling you to? Who is God calling you to invest in in this season of your life? Because you're not done, no matter what season you're in. Candy should be coming to me uh, from Harvest Kids and saying, Jamie, I don't have enough spots to put the people who want to come and serve. I said no children's ministry coordinator ever. But why? Why wouldn't we have just too many people serving down there if we understood this? We have the privilege to come alongside parents. You're going to have another video next week if the video is working that's going to say, hey, would you come and help with VBS? We're going to have the opportunity to have kids from our church and the community that are going to come to our building 
thinking they're coming to have fun, and we are going to tell them all about Jesus. So they're going to have fun and Jesus, because both should be the same. You should have that. We should serve. Youth ministry, you have the opportunity, believe it or not, to share your testimony in the youth group. Our youth leaders invite someone from our church once a month to come in and share their testimony. I got to do that uh, recently. I think it was in November. My wife and I, we came to the youth group, and it, it feels weird when you're old. Like, you come, you're gray-haired. You know, I tried to play the games, too. Like, the kids are just, just cream you. That's fine. Then I got to sit down, and I could say, yeah, this is what happened in my life. They got to interact with me. It was so fun. Our youth leaders would love for you to come and share your story because it's a powerful story of God's wonderful works. You can come and share it. And we have young adults that you need to be seeking out. I say me, like we need to seek those young adults out who are the college age and 20-somethings and spend time with them. Don't think you don't have anything to share with them. You were there once. You fell into holes. You have stories of God's faithfulness that they need to hear. And they need to be pursued. Because the Word's telling them that they're the center of the universe. And you can tell them, no, this message is actually the center of human history. God's story of redemptive history is recorded for us in the Bible. And Jesus came to make all things new. And you know what? He's coming back again. He's coming back again. We're awaiting his return. God's people pass on God's message from generation to generation. Our God wants to use you to take a step of faith to pass on the message of the glorious deeds that he has done. Let's pray. Father, sending your son Jesus to pay for our sins. I thank you right where you are. Just thank God for what he has done in your life. Thank God by name for those people who shared Christ with you. Maybe they're your parents. Maybe they were a youth leader. Maybe there's someone in our church. Thank God right now for the people he brought in your life that valued this message to share it with you. Just share it right, right, right where you are in your seat, by yourself. Thank God for them. Now let's, let's just take a moment and come before the Lord and, and confess ways that we have failed in passing on the message. Maybe it's because we were selfish with our time. Maybe it's because we didn't get saved till later in life. Maybe whatever it is. The Lord wants us to come humbly. To come humbly. And know that as you faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. He gives grace for you to do that which he has called you to do. So then let's just ask, because this task of passing on the message is hard. Just ask God specifically, Lord, who do you want me to invest in and ask for his help? Ask for who? Ask for his help right now, because I know he's speaking to you as he's been speaking to me.
Father, we come to you right now amazed that you would save us. Trembling that you would give us the the privilege and responsibility to pass on this message of the gospel. Lord, we say, not my will, but yours be done. Show us, God, the places that we are to serve, the, the places that we need to sacrifice. I pray, God, that you would stir in the hearts of our church, that we would be investing in the next generation, in the in the kids that are preschool, in the kids that are in elementary school, in junior high and high school, and the kids in the college age, and, and kids that have now become adults. Lord, would we, would we continue to share this message as long as you give us breath? And we just thank you, God, for the glorious working that you have done. We ask this in Jesus' name.